don't have a Bible, folks, we've got a lot of Bibles in the back. Come on and come in and grab them and walk in. And if you don't have one and you'd like one, I have a couple of young men, Kim and Johnny. Would you go grab some Bibles and just walk around the study and raise their hand and get one to Thank you, Joe. All right. Well, it is a privilege to be with all of you on a Sunday morning. We would like to welcome uh, a good number of visitors this morning. Glad you're here. Some of you here the first time. We're glad to have visitors. We've got some family that's here the first time. Always glad to have family around. And uh, just thank you for uh, being with us this morning. We trust that the Lord will bless our, t- our hearts as we look into the Word of God this morning. Let's take just a moment and have a word of prayer before we get started asking for His blessing. Heavenly Father. Lord Jesus Christ, uh, seated there at the right hand of our our God, we're thankful that we can come this morning in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says we don't know how to pray as we ought to, but the Spirit who knows our hearts makes intercession for us with groanings which we couldn't even understand. And we know, Lord Jesus, you know the mind of the Spirit. It is your Spirit, and you make intercession for us according to the will of God. We gathered this morning in the name of Jesus, looking forward to reading from the Bible, looking forward to hearing from the Word of the Lord. We pray, God, for our hearts. Pray that our hearts would be open to receive the Word. Um, We know that Jesus, you said that hearts are kind of like soil. Some can be hard, some can be stony. There can be thorns that would choke out the Word, and there can also be good ground. We pray that our hearts would be like the good ground this morning. We know the devil would come and steal the Word off the hard spots. And we just pray, God, that you would open our hearts to receive what you would have us to learn today. That we might apply it to our lives, that we could leave this place refreshed for having been taught from the Scriptures and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, you know each need. You know where we've been this past week. You know where we've been in the past month or even in our lives up to this point. And from this day forward, you would welcome us to a closer walk with you. We would pray that. That would be the case as we gather in the name of Christ. Amen. Blessings to you if you have your Bible. I would encourage you to turn turn your Bibles to the book of Colossians. This is our third Sunday in a seven-Sunday series on the book of Colossians. We'll take a break in a couple weeks. Uh, Tyler will be sharing an Easter message on Easter Sunday. And then we'll finish with uh, the last three messages in um, April. But um, let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles to uh, Colossians chapter 1. Now, last week we talked about the preeminence of Christ. How Christ is preeminent in terms of His relationship with God. How Christ is preeminent over all creation. How Christ is preeminent in the church. He is the head of the body. How preeminent is your head, folks? Pretty important. Very important. It's vital. Without the head, you don't have a body. Or you don't have life. You might have a body, but a body without the head. Christ is the head of the church. He is preeminent in all these things. The question we left ourselves with last week is, how preeminent is Christ in my heart? It's interesting. God is in charge of the whole universe, and yet He does not impose Himself upon us. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. He is a God who would would invite us to receive Him, but um, He's not going to force His way into anyone's heart. It would be like when I first met Brenda trying to force her to like me. That doesn't always turn out so well, young men. Don't, don't do that. But Christ would have us come into a closer walk with Him, and He is preeminent over, the, over His body, the church. Are you a part of that body? If you're not a part of that body, He would welcome you to join that body. If you are a part of that body, He would want you to allow Him to have greater control of your life. All right. Now we're going into um, our lesson this morning. 
Paul's going to talk about his ministry in the church and his ministry in particular to the church of Colossae. And um, he's going to talk about how God has given him this assignment. Let's pick it up in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. We'll read through chapter 2, verse 12. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden from for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this, in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you, have re- as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him, who is the head of all rule, All authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. Okay. Folks, this is just a a wonderful passage because first thing it's going to talk about is Paul's uh, ministry. And what we're going to, as we apply this to our lives, we're going to see that God has given us, likewise, a ministry similar to Paul's. But let's look at what Paul talks about. Paul is on an assignment. God gave Paul an assignment. And it says here in verse 25... What was Paul's assignment? Well, first of all, understand this. He says in verse 25, he says, um, speaking of the church, in verse 24, he says, um, for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. Paul's responsibility as a pastor isn't something Paul just 
hey, you know, I think what I'll do is I'll go be a pastor. I'll go be a pastor for this church at Laodicea. Interestingly enough, Paul has never even seen the Laodicea, excuse me, the church of Colossia. He's never seen the Colossians. He's not seen the Laodiceans. Remember we talked about in our first uh, lesson, who started the church in Colossae? It was a man named Epaphras. He had come and heard Paul over in Ephesus, got excited about the gospel, went home and told the people in Colossae they started a church. Now, Paul is writing this letter to encourage this group of believers he's never seen, but he's a minister for God's sake. But he considers this one of his little churches in a sense. He has a stewardship. What is a steward? How does, how does a steward differ from an owner? Well, an owner owns it. A steward is what we would, we would use the word manager. He is in charge of what the owner owns, but he's a steward. God owns this little church in Colossae. Paul is a, is a steward and he's become a minister. Uh, um, another uh, interpretation of that word would be a servant. He's not like a minister. Sometimes we think of a minister as a guy who stands behind the pulpit and preaches. In Paul's day, when he says, I became your minister, he was saying, in effect, I have become your servant. How did you get that job, Paul? Well, God gave it to me. It was a stewardship from God. God said, I want you to be in charge of this little church. And he took this stewardship. He received it from God. But what was involved in it? Look in verse 25. He says, According to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, here's, here's the two. To make the Word of God fully known. That's, what he's, that's your job, Paul. Your job is to make the Word of God fully known. Paul understands at the heart of his ministry, he has got to get the word out. Okay? How important is the word for a Christian? Jesus said it this way. Remember after not eating for 40 days and being tempted by the devil to turn a rock into a piece of bread? You know what Jesus said? Man doesn't live by bread alone. Man lives by what, folks? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's how we live. Your soul needs the Bible as much as your body needs bread. We need the Word of God. And so, Paul says, My assignment was to make the Word of God fully known. I want to make the Word of God fully known. He was preaching that. Just a quick question. When Paul speaks about the Bible, what Bible is Paul talking about? He had the Old Testament, right? He had the Old Testament in writing and most likely he had the Gospels. Either he had heard them, but I'm not sure that they were all written down yet. He had the life and teachings of Jesus and he had the Old Testament. That's the word that he's making fully known. Now, what does he call it in verse 26? This is important. He says to make the word of God fully known, but he calls it a mystery. In verse 26, he says it's the mystery hidden for ages and generations. For ages and generations, the mystery of God, that he, what He would do, was hidden. The Old Testament prophets, they looked forward to the day when the Messiah would come, but they didn't exactly know what it would be. And when He shows up as a baby, and He grows up as a carpenter, and He begins as a humble teacher doing amazing miracles, wow, they're kind of like, oh, that's the deal. And what Paul says is, the Old Testament didn't know. The word that we proclaimed was a mystery for generations and ages, but now it's obvious. He has walked among us. We have seen Him. We have heard Him. We know the Word of God has come in the flesh. And that's the mystery hidden from ages is now revealed to His saints. Look at this. This is a great verse in verse 27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of 
This mystery. What is the mystery? What is the mystery? He says, which is Christ in you. That is the mystery. The Old Testament was pointing forward to a day when Christ would be in you. How does Christ live inside of me? Isn't that kind of wild? Think about God living up inside of my earth suit. I mean, I'm up in my earth suit, but God inside of me, in my heart, in my life, in my mind. He says, this is the mystery. The mystery, which was was hidden, is Christ in you. And he can't say this last part of verse 27. He says, it's the hope of glory. What does that get you excited? The hope of all of God's glory is Christ living in my heart. That's the good news. That's great news. Okay, so this, um, he says this, he says, this is the mystery. It has been um, hidden for all these ages. It is Christ in you. Look at verse 28. He says this, Him we proclaim. We proclaim Him. That is Paul's role, uh, job. To make the Word of God fully known and to proclaim Christ. This is Christ that he's proclaiming. That's his job, to proclaim. How does Paul do that? Look there in verse 28. He says, Him we proclaim, how Paul? We're warning everyone and we're teaching everyone. It is important to understand, folks, that the Christian life is not without its perils and its dangers, right? If the Christian life were like just a cakewalk, hey, everybody would be walking it no problem. But Jesus said when you follow him, you have to deny yourself. And then you have to take up this kind of annoying thing called a cross. Well, crosses aren't rose beds. Okay? Crosses can be difficult. But that's okay because we have to warn everyone there are dangers in the Christian life. If you take a step forward in your Christian life and you become serious about letting God handle your time, handle your money, handle your relationships. If you start making those kind of decisions, you say, you know what, I'm so sick and tired of the way I have been, Lord. I want to step forward you. Expect the devil to take a shot at you. You think the devil wants any of us growing in our Christian life? Shake your heads no, please. No. He doesn't want that. That's contrary to all that he would have to do. He would come to kill, steal, and destroy and when you step forward to make a step in faith, to obey, obey God in some area of your life, you're going to find the devil ready to hit you hard. But you know what? It's, we have to teach everyone, warn you, but we also have to teach you. I want to get rid of the devil. I want to move toward God, Paul says. I'm going to warn you about the devil. I'm going to teach you. And that's what he's doing. He's proclaiming Christ with all wisdom. And then don't miss the that. The that in Scripture give us purpose. I do this that. He says that he could present everyone, what? Mature. I want you all to grow up, is what Paul says. I don't want you to stay babies. I don't want you to... you got to start. Every Christian who's become a Christian has what was a baby in Christ. But Paul doesn't want us to be babies. If our babies were born but didn't grow, we'd be worried. But Paul doesn't want us to be little all of our lives in Christ. He wants us to grow. And so what does Paul do? He says, this is what I'm doing. I want to present you mature in Christ. How serious is this to Paul? Look in verse 29. He says, for this I toil, struggling for you. Right? No. For this I I toil, struggling with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. Paul's a minister of the gospel. He's a servant of the church. But he says, I'm struggling for you. How are you doing it? I'm using the energy, all the energy I can get from heaven. I'm plugging into God. Boom. So I can plug into you. 
I'm struggling for you with the energy that Christ is working in me. Paul's not doing this on his own. He would run out. You've all seen the Energizer Bunny commercials, right? That thing that just goes and goes. It just Take his batteries out and he's done. Right? Take the Holy Spirit and the power of God out of our Christian's life and we are done. God wants us to stay supercharged to Him so that we can be a minister to others. And that's what Paul's all about. He's not storing up this energy for himself. He is struggling for the spiritual benefit of others. That he could present everyone mature in Christ. Circle the word that there. That's an important thing. Circle the word that. Circle this little that. That. This is why he's doing it. It tells us why. There's another reason. He goes on in chapter 2, verse 1. He says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. What's, what's, what are you driving at, Paul? Not only does he want to present everyone mature, he says that their hearts would be encouraged to reach what? It says that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love as a body of Christ, we're knit together in love. I want your hearts to be encouraged to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is, or excuse me, of Christ. He wants them to, to really get this. But it's interesting because did you see how it came back to Christ? He was wanting to pre- proclaim Christ and here he is He is wanting our hearts. Follow along in your Bible there. If you've got it open, please. He says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. Basically, he's saying, I want you to reach Christ. I want you to grow up so you can reach Christ. Be mature in Christ. Christ is the standard. Christ is the measure. I want you to get this. Now... This is such an important point, okay? I want to try something this morning. I've got a marker board, and if you'll turn your your paper over real briefly, we're going to pause just a little bit in this scripture, and we're going to highlight what we've learned so far this morning, okay? Turn your paper over, and we're going to fill in the blank on on your picture here, all right? Now, God gave Paul an assignment, okay? Help me out. What was he to proclaim? See it there? Oh no, what was he to make known? What was he to make fully known? Okay, he was to make the word fully known. So you thought it was a couple birds, right? It's not. It's a Bible. Alright? Oh, and let's put Paul in the picture. This is the Apostle Paul. Don't tell me you can't draw. You can draw a straight line or even a relatively straight line. Here's Paul, and he is making. The Word of God known. Okay? He's making the Word of God known. I, he was wanting to make the Word of God fully known. All of the Old Testament revelation, everything he knew about Jesus Christ from his life and the Gospels. Okay? He wanted to make the Word of God fully known. But, as we've already seen, what, what and it says, in ages past, this was, put a question mark here, this was a mystery. How is God going to save the world? How is God going to redeem the race? It was a mystery. It was a mystery. But now, he said, this mystery is actually, we solve the mystery. Don't you like it with you watching a mystery movie or reading a mystery book when the mystery is finally solved? The mystery is solved in Christ. 
This mystery, the Word of God that wasn't revealed, is now solved. The mystery is solved. We have Christ. And He is not only proclaiming the Word of God, He is also, excuse me, not only is He making the Word of God known, He is proclaiming Christ. He is proclaiming Christ. What was His point? Bear with me for just a minute. Let's go ahead and fill these two little guys in here, okay? Straight lines. This is easy. Okay, straight lines. Don't put their faces on yet. Just put their eyes. Okay? There is a method to my madness. You'll figure it out. I'll tell you a little bit in a second. Can you all see that over there? Are you good? Yeah. All right. Here we go. So, he wants us... What does he say? He says, God... Christ is what? Christ is the what? Make a curly, a kind of wavy line that goes all the way down here to this guy right here. You got that? You know what that is? That looks like a rope, right? It's the rope of glory. It's not the rope of glory. You said, yeah, the Bible doesn't say it's the rope of glory. It's the what? It's the hope of glory. What's the hope of glory? Christ in me. Isn't that great? And he is happy. But he is something else. What is this guy? He is little. He is immature. But God says, I want you to become mature. This is why I'm doing this. To present everyone mature. Christ in me is the hope of glory. But God wants us to grow up. He wants us to be mature in Christ. And it says here, he, he is uh, proclaiming Christ that their hearts may be encouraged to reach. Now, this is where you have to draw this guy. He's got his elbows up and he is reaching. Elbows up, reaching. He is reaching Christ. Okay? And he has a greater knowledge and a greater understanding of Christ in his heart because he's matured. He is growing up in Christ. So, Paul says... To make the word of God fully known, to proclaim Christ, who is what? The hope of glory. Christ in you, the what? Hope of the rope, the hope of glory. So that you would be encouraged, that you would mature to reach for the full assurance of Christ. That's important. We have to reach uh, all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. That's what the goal is. Now, everybody got this little picture? You got it drawn on yours? Even if you're not an artist, you can draw a squeeze of blood in a straight line. Alright, so my question is, you got this? Now I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. I did this little experiment with my boys. I showed them this picture. I said, okay, guys, now, now I, I closed the picture. I said, now you can't see the picture. Can you see the picture in your mind? Yeah. You can see the picture of Christ, or excuse me, Paul making the Word of God fully known, which was a mystery. He was proclaiming Christ, which was the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He wants us to mature so we can reach the full assurance. Okay, now open your eyes. Could you, if I said, take a blank piece of paper and draw that picture, could you, I mean, generally get it close? That's the point. This is what I want you to see. It. I want you to see what was Paul's, what was Paul's ministry. This is important because... You see this guy here? Now that he has grown up in Christ, what's his job? 
See, God gave Paul an assignment. Put down here, put a little parenthesis there. God gave me an assignment. The Word of God isn't just written for the people in Colossians. It's written for us. Because this Word is for me. This Word is for you. God doesn't want you just to grow up to keep be a, sh- a closed-mouthed Christian. We were called to be witnesses, right? We are called to make the Word of God known to our friends and our neighbors. We are called to proclaim Christ in our words and our lives. We are called to grow up and be mature. But then, open your mouth. Tell someone. Be thankful you can do this. Alright, you got this? You with me here? Alright, let's move on. Now we're going to cover the last part of this scripture. Because Paul is doing this for an important reason. Look if you would please. Um, at uh, verse 4. I say this. And again, I want you to be looking for the so that's, the therefores, the in order that's. They mean something. I say this in verse 4, Colossians 2. Paul says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with... And let me move our... I'm going to block our... So that no one may delude you with what? Plausible arguments. What does the word plausible mean? Plausible. What is a plausible argument? An argument that kind of makes sense. I was reading an argument this week. It went something like this. It was talking about how um, God is a father who has a son, right? And the argument went like this. If God has a son, if God is a father who has a son, who of us knows a father who has a son who wasn't once a son himself? Do you guys know of anybody who has a dad who wasn't a son at one point? Which would mean he has a father, right? Does that make sense? Well, when we're talking about you and me, that all makes sense. I have I have a son, but I also have a father. That means I am a son, and he had a father. It all makes sense, kind of a bit. Well, this was a what I call a plausible argument. If you're thinking about God, and, and some folks refer we refer to him as our Father in heaven. Sometimes he's referred to as Heavenly Father in a way that makes it sound like he is a father among fathers who has a father who has a father. Is that true? Does God have a dad? No. You see, a plausible argument is something that may make sense when we're talking about earthly things, but God is, what does the Bible say? Your thoughts are not my thoughts, and your ways aren't my ways, God's above us, right? And last week we talked about how Christ was before everything that was created, and he's after everything that's created, and he holds everything together. That means Christ is different from creation in the same way if you've ever made something. Have you ever made something? Even when you were in art class in the fourth grade and they handed you a lump of clay, you didn't have a potter's wheel. You just, they just said, make a pot. And so you start doing this and you make something. God is as different from his creation as you were from the pot. Big difference. Little piece of clay, you. Even in the fourth grade, there's a big difference between you and the pot, right? Hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Well, God is very different. Well, sometimes people come with plausible arguments, but Paul is saying, listen, I'm telling you this, the full assurance of the knowledge and wisdom is in Christ. Don't be fooled. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. It might make sense, but if it's not according to Christ. Look what he says. 
He says, I say this that in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness, this is important in verse 5, the firmness of your faith in Christ. You see, the Colossians had been told by Epaphras, who had heard the gospel from Paul, that in order to become saved, become a Christian, you need to place your faith in Christ. Okay? How hard is that? Well, some of us say, sometimes it's hard to turn from my, myself and turn from the things I want to do and acknowledge my sin and confess the Lordship of Christ and receive the gift of salvation. That, that can be kind of hard. But see, there were people in Colossae, and we'll talk about this next week, who were trying to add to that. In addition to having faith in Christ, they're going to say, well, and you need to do this, oh, and you need to do this, and you need to do this. And there were people in Colossae who were saying, and we're not even really sure... Christ was God actually in reality. When Paul has made a pretty good case of saying, wait a minute, we see the preeminence of Christ with God and increasing Christ is God. But there are people who were saying, eh, we're not so sure if Jesus was really God. We know he was the Son of God, but we're not sure he was God. We'll talk about this next week. But here's the point. Paul wants to say is, I don't want you to leave the firmness of your faith in Christ. You have got to keep your faith in the simple gospel of Jesus and in Christ alone. We sang a beautiful hymn this morning. In Christ alone. Right? In Christ alone. In Jesus Christ alone is what I'm standing. I am not placing my confidence in any other man's uh, ideas or commandments. I'm not placing my confidence in my own righteousness. I am placing all of my eggs in the basket of Christ's righteousness alone. And that is where that is where the Christian is secure. Then we get, what's the first word in verse 6? It's a therefore. And we're, we're learning that when we see a therefore, we're supposed to ask ourselves this question. What is it? Therefore. Why does he say therefore? He's kind of building an argument. He's making these steps in, in, in the progression of his, in his message. And he says, therefore, all this being true that I've already said, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, and this is what we're talking about this year, so... Walk in Him. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. And then he goes on to say, rooted and built up in Him. Rooted and built up in Him. And established in the faith. Rooted and built up in Him. Established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in Thanksgiving. This middle point established in the faith is critical. Paul is going to come back to this. When you trust Christ, you have to maintain your trust in Christ. Actually, God will help us maintain our trust in Christ. Where does faith come from? If you were here today and you say, you know what, my faith is struggling just a little bit. I'm feeling a little weak in my faith. Where does faith come from according to Scripture? So that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the... Word of God. If you're having a, a, a day or a week or a season in your life where you're struggling with a little bit of faith, then take up the Bible. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So, he says here, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, or how did you receive Him? By faith. He says, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord by faith, so walk in Him rooted and built up. Rooted. Rooted. 
When you think of rooted, you think of a tree, right? No roots, no tree. Good roots, good fruits, tree. And he says, you're rooted and you're built up in him and you're established, you're firm in the faith. And he goes on, he says, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. The Christian life should be one of thankfulness. You find me a thankful Christian, and I will almost guarantee you that Christian will not be depressed or dejected or in despair. A person who keeps thanking God for all God has done for them has got a different outlook. He's not worried about tomorrow because he's thinking about all that God's done for him in the past. He looks at his blessings today and he figures, my Father in Heaven is good for this. I'm trusting God with my heart. I can be thankful. What about tomorrow? Hey, look at the God. Look at everything he's done for me today. I'm thankful. Giving thanks, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it, he says, that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to what? Human tradition. According to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. Paul's going somewhere with this. We'll pick it up next week. He says, I don't want you all to get stuck again in the man-made stuff. Traditions of men. Men have been coming up with all kinds of ways that you and things that you have to do. If you want to go to God, you got to do this and you got to do that. If this isn't based on faith in Christ, it's a tradition of men. And he's going to say, hey, I don't want you to get caught up in captive by philosophy. Philosophy is just men letting out air through their mouth. You know, philosophy is man's ideas. It's not God's word. It's just, hey, let's sit around and talk about something, make up some idea like we all came from monkeys or something. There's no proof at all to this. It's just philosophy of men. And it takes people captive. And he says, I don't want you guys to be caught up in that. The philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. He doesn't want them to be taken captive by philosophy and empty deceit. So, and he goes on, he says, And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. This is interesting. What is Paul's default? Paul's default is always back to Christ. The God in in flesh, he says, The whole fullness of deity in bodily who dwells, excuse me, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily in Christ. And he says, And you have been filled in him. Who is the head and the rule? In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision, not made with hands by putting off the body of flesh, but by the circumcision of Christ. We were buried with him in baptism, okay? So that we could be raised with him through the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. This is vital. As a Christian, we understand that we are crucified with Christ. I have to be buried in my old sinful nature with Jesus. But did Jesus stay dead? No, God raised him up again by the glory of God, and a Christian gets the privilege of living a new life by the power of God. You can put off your old man and your old sinful ways, whether it's lying or lusting or cheating or stealing and whatever, not honoring God, and you can acknowledge Christ's death in your place, be raised again by the Holy Spirit, and be walking in the newness of life, and that's what he's talking about here. You can be raised through faith, Look at this last part of verse 12. In the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. That can be our life, folks. And it's, and it's not going to cost us anything other than you'll have to give up your old self and surrender to Christ. Okay, let's make this point.
kind of like family here, you know? Thanks. Is that better? Okay. Can you see this over there? You can. Okay. All right. So, let's take a look at this drawing. All right. So, what is Paul saying? Well, first of all, he wants them, he's saying this, so they would not be deluded with plausible arguments. Now, your brain... God made your brain in kind of a neat way. Your brain wants to fill in the, the lines because there's something about this picture. You're like, what is that? But you can see that this is a cross. It's actually kind of like an elevated cross. Does it look like the cross kind of like on a platform? It will in a minute if it doesn't. Okay. Bear, bear with me here, okay? So, first of all, he says, I do not want you to be deluded with plausible arguments. That's a concern of Paul's, all right? Now, he says, therefore, he wants us to be walking by faith in Christ. And then it says this, it says rooted. So, this is actually a tree that is walking, all right? You say, that's a tree? Yeah. Here, here let's do this. Um, uh, first of all, there's a little house here. Make it a house. It's a tree house. Yeah, that's right. It's a tree house. Why is it a tree house? Well, a tree house is rooted, right? And it's built up. I thought that's a good idea. We'll just use rooted and built up. Here we are as Christians. He wants us rooted and built up. Now go ahead and finish the top of your tree. Alright, whatever it takes to get that around there like that. And we are rooted and built up in Him. Alright? We are rooted and built up in Him. Established in the faith, this walk that we're walking is the walk of faith. We are established in the, in the, in the walk of faith. We have faith in what? We have faith in Christ. When you walk the walk of faith in Christ, it is an elevated road, if you will, but there are ditches. There are plausible arguments. There is philosophy and empty deceit. Paul says, I'm wanting you guys to walk the straight path, the straight path of life and faith with Christ. Rooted and what? Built up in Him. What's the last thing he says? <laughs> Abounding in Thanksgiving. Just put T's on all your apples here. Because this is the fruit of Thanksgiving. You walk the Christian life rooted, built up, abounding in thanksgiving. Right? Established in the faith. This is what God wants. And Paul, if you look at this passage, this is right in between this whole walking then. In verse um, chapter 2, verse 4, we've got what? We've got these plausible arguments. Drop down to verse 8. We've got this philosophy and empty deceit. But in between verses um, 4 and 8, we've got this wonderful verse 6, which tells us, as you have received Christ Jesus by faith, remember this, so walk in Him. Walk in Him, rooted, built up, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, you got the picture? If I put the marker board away and take out a blank piece of paper, could you get it? What are the points that are important here, folks? Ask yourself this question. Which of this point, which of these points is important to me? Bullet points can make a point, 
But sometimes if you see a picture and you get a hold of it, you know what, you'll remember that a long time. I hope that you remember this picture rooted and built up, walking in faith in Christ, abounding in thanksgiving. Can you do that? Well, that's the point I think God would have us uh, get from this passage. There is a Christian life that He would have us lead. There is a faith in Christ He would have us maintain. And He would have us beware of plausible arguments and deceit. But does the Christian need to walk through life being scared? What if I fall off the, what if I fall off the road? Hey, folks, when you're driving, what's the best way to keep going from either ditch? You don't focus on the ditch. You focus ahead. You focus on who is ahead. And Christ is ahead of us in the walk of faith. Let's walk it. Let's live it. Let's love Him. Let's do it. Next week we're going to talk about how these empty deceivers try to make themselves out into a false religion that doesn't help anyone. I will look forward to seeing you next week. Let's take a minute and pray. Lord God, as we finish this message in Colossians, we pray that we would understand that the fullness of the assurance and the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge is in Christ. We don't need to look anywhere. We need to grow up and reach for Jesus. And we pray, dear God, that you would help us this week to understand there are things that would trip us or cause us to fall in terms of arguments and philosophy. But the real truth is in Jesus. And we just pray, dear God, as we seek to be people who love you, your children, called by the grace of the Lord, that we would serve you with a thankful heart. We would abound in thanksgiving for all you've done for us. We love you and we thank you for your wonderful word. Bless our hearts this morning. Bless our hearts this week. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord Jesus is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our awe and honor. We're going to sing a closing song, and when we get to the chorus where it says, I stand in awe, that's when we're going to stand, both in uh, honor of Him and uh, as a way of expressing to Him our allegiance, our worship, our service, our faith. So sing it with me. I stand in awe. Sing, you are beautiful beyond description, too marvelous for words, too wonderful for comprehension, like nothing ever seen or heard. Can match your infinite wisdom? Who can fathom the depths of your love? You are beautiful beyond description, majesty enthroned above. And I stand, I stand in all of you. I stand, I stand in all of you. 
Holy God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in awe of you. I stand, I stand in awe of you. I stand, I stand in awe of you. Holy God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in awe of you. That chorus once more. I stand, I stand in awe of you. I stand, I stand in awe of you. Holy God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in awe of you. Holy God, Holy God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in awe of you. Amen. Hope you have a wonderful week. We'll look forward to seeing you next Sunday. God bless you.